Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Jusko. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Welcome to Billy Joel A to Z. Today we are talking about the song If I Only Had the Words, parentheses to tell you, end parentheses, the eighth track of Billy's second studio album, Piano Man. If I Only Had the Words to tell you, was only released as a B side off of The Ballad of Billy the Kid released in April of 1974, 20 years before Elon was even born. Uh, <laughs> Elon, <laughs> sure, <I> sure. <laughs> it seems like it should have been a lot longer, too. It's uh, funny that it's only 20 years. But uh, Christopher Bonanos, in 2015, made a New York Magazine ranking of all of Billy Joel's songs. Out of 121 songs, where does he place, if I only had the words, parentheses, to tell you, and parentheses. <laughs> I think Christopher Bananos put this at 85. Oh, my God, you are good. He is at 83. Wow. In the Newsday article, Glenn Gamboa hates this song. He put it at 105. And he says, when a song is this sweet and innocent, it has to be pure to keep the illusion alive. As soon as Joel mentions tired words, it all comes crashing down. And I thought that was quite interesting. Why that one phrase? Why does Gamboa hate tired words? Could Because he says it's pure, sweet, and innocent, and then you're using tired words. So I see his point. I don't have a problem with it. The fans don't like it either. They ranked it at 90, 92. I was going to say 92nd. 92 out of 121. I'm going to tell you, Elon, I've never heard this song in my life. You know, <laughs> all I've been doing is watching reaction videos lately, and we just should have... I didn't even realize... We should have just made this a reaction podcast where Dave Jusko hears Billy Joel for the first time. Right. You've only heard five of his songs, actually. <laughs> uh, apparently. Apparently. I've been to multiple. Con I guess I've only heard the stuff he plays in concert. I, I guess I don't know a lot of the back catalog. And this song is awesome. I don't know what the hell's the matter with these people. I am putting it on the hidden gem list. I loved it. I loved it. I'm not surprised that you liked it a lot because this feels like a Cold Spring Harbor era song, those piano ballads that you like, except it has the piano man production quality. So it's like the best of both worlds. Excellent point. I kept saying to myself, yes, it does sound like Cold Spring Harbor, but I love that it's on Piano Man, like a later album. Meanwhile, I have a problem with a little bit of the production. I mean, I like the production quality, but I really think, you know, I was just looking up who produced Piano Man. I, we didn't we never talk about this. this guy, Michael Stewart. He produced Piano Man and Street Life Serenade. never heard from again. I think they're the only two albums he's ever done. And, uh, you know, they're fine because nobody ever complains about the production. But when I was listening to the song, I was missing a few instruments that I was doing in my head that I felt would have made the song a little better. And I can't tell you what they were, 
but it just needed some other stuff I expected out of songs from that era. Uh, hard to exactly say, but obviously he wasn't that great a producer because no one ever talks about him because obviously once he hit Phil Ramone, he hit pay dirt. But uh, yeah, the, the, the song could go a, a different direction in different ways, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I can't believe how much I enjoyed it. And if you were doing a reaction video, when I first put it on, when I knew we were doing the song, you know, I'm always thinking, oh, I remember this song, but I didn't know it. And you should have seen the smile I had on my face. The uh, sometimes I'll put the song on and then I'll start doing a little bit of the research and typing in while I'm listening. Mm -hmm. But this one grabbed me where I couldn't do anything but stare at the piano man album cover and listen to this unbelievable song that was unfolding in front of me as if I was a child listening to a reaction uh, video thing. I'm surprised you loved it so, so much, because for me, I feel like this is an OK song. It's a big ballad, but he has so many better ballads, I think, than this one. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, according to all the rankings, according to the fans, according to you, I, uh, I get it. But I loved it. I just really, really loved it. And I could actually ruin the entire song for everybody if you'd like me to. Absolutely. Uh, we love when that happens. Is it the mod theme again? <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh, it's better. But uh, what what's the one where we did the Carpenters close to you? What was that song? Falling of the Rain? Yeah, I think it was maybe Falling of the Rain. If it wasn't, it was one of those Cold Spring Harbor songs. You know, tune off if you don't want to always listen to this song and hear what I'm about to play for you. Uh, <laughs> you might want to <laughs> tune away. Spoiler alert. Uh, this may ruin it. Uh, it's funny that this is not ruining it for me. I'm sharing my screen. It's I, all I can hear is this at this point, but it's still not ruining the song for me. Are you ready for this, Alon? I'm ready. Do all it. right. This is really fun. Uh, I only put this together crudely. I didn't want to spend time with it. So it's cut. I could have made it so much better where it really merged. And I combined the actual song and some of the movie part of the song. I, it's hard to explain, but you'll see what I'm saying. I'm just going to go for it. You can hear it, right? Yeah. If I only had the urge to tell you Apart from the world below <laughs> Get that up for me lines have all been taken Where the eagles cry On a mountain high Where do you hear this part? If I never find the song What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I feel it. I think that's a cool mix up. It, that's all the chorus was leading me to was that song, which, of course, Billy Joel definitely at first that song came out uh, 10 years later. But yeah, it builds to the even the part from Officer and a Gentleman where da, 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 you know, and even you can hear that in the background of if I only had the words, it's uh, it, it that's, you know, I couldn't stop thinking of it but it did not ruin the song like the close to me did which i can never hear that again without it this song uh still worked for me yeah that doesn't bother me i like that that was a good mashup 
And it shows that you don't just list, uh, watch TV. You also watch movies. <laughs> so you're clearly a well-rounded individual. Right. Thank God it wasn't the theme of the Six Million Dollar Man or uh, <laughs> something with the Golden Girls. But uh, we had something a little bit a little bit more oomph to it. But I also like the song and the message it gives uh, about it. I, I like the fact that it's a song about redundancy and you know, we've all been down this road where you're trying to tell the person that you love that you love them, but you want to find a different way to say it, which is almost impossible in this day and age, knowing how much TV and movies we've all watched. And of course, for me, I mean, that's all I do is just hope that the woman I'm possibly saying that to has not seen. It has to be a very obscure film or TV show because uh, <laughs> I'll just rip it off. Uh, well, that's why but, you like to date younger women, because they probably haven't seen most of the things you've seen. Exactly. And also the way when he says in the line and that radio repeats them every day. That's a great line. He's so right. Right. You know, you just you listen to a song and you're trying to use those words and the radio repeats them every day. And he's looking for something else to say. I like that. Yeah, I like that this song is kind of a song about the difficulties of writing a love song. And um, in that way, it's kind of like his version of your song by Elton John. Oh, Interesting. You're right. Look at these two guys, huh? You're absolutely right. <laughs> Our synapses are firing today. <laughs> also, he was talking about it, this particular song, and he said that he modulated to a different key, which he never does, which, you know, when you think of, it was funny because I noticed it right away. I wasn't sure what I noticed the difference in this song from most Billy Joel songs, but it's the way he said, if I only had the words to tell you, like he never he does never do that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think I liked it because I liked the difference of what, as he calls, you know, modulating to a different key and that using the, the, your voice to do it instead of maybe even just the song itself, but a total different kind of song for him and for me, I guess. And like I said, I noticed it right away and it was funny that he had mentioned it when I was again, doing the research for it. Yeah. You know what I like about the song a lot is um, also the, the two chorus sections or are they bridge sections? I don't know what you would call them in this song, because is it really a chorus? Every verse starts with the if I only had the words. Well, if you are talking about the bridge, because I noticed that, too, there's a really good where it goes the other direction. It's, yeah, the bridge is really, really good. I noticed that, too. Yeah, it's the life goes on and on. And then yes, later, the yes, la, 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 that's la's. the bridge. Those that's two the sections. Yeah. yeah. So I really like those two bridges because they sound very Beatlesy to me. Yeah, that's so funny because the Beatles have one of the best bridges like ever in what's that song i am the walrus nope time after time i live to ever i wouldn't mind if i knew what, what i was I missing, was missing. <laughs> you won't see me you won't see me yeah yeah Rubber so soul. that that bridge is so excellent. They do it twice. And that's very rare in a song, but they even knew, oh, this bridge is good. Let's put it in again. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that part of the song as well. Obviously, I just really dig in this song. It's kind of funny. He obviously, I guess he doesn't really play it very much. And the only, you know, even in that live recording, he did in Philadelphia, which made his career with the Captain Jack thing. He, he didn't play this song. <laughs> yeah, right. That was surprising. He doesn't, he didn't play this song live much at all actually we can talk about the live stats yeah, yeah um, go ahead there's not much there he has played it according to setlist.fm only four times and all way back uh, 1974 to 1976 now obviously there just aren't set lists for many of his shows from back then i'm sure he was playing this but they do have set lists for right now and we realize now 
He just never played. Oh, yeah. it. I mean, no, after yeah, Turnstiles sure. came out, he never played it. So, you know, what's the difference? What you're, you know, we don't need the other information. We get it. He doesn't care to play this song live. Yeah, we know that for the last 45 years, at least, it's a <laughs> right. real rarity. And there is one live version that exists from Carnegie Hall in 1974. And in that recording, the crowd gives a big ovation when he starts it, which sounds like, wow, they must really love this song from the album. But actually, I think what it was is if you look at the set list, this was his encore song. So they were just giving the encore. Oh. Yay, he's coming back. All right. I was wondering, I heard that too. And I'm like, oh, they're really into it. But that could be also because, and this is this is the encore song? Really? Yeah. All right. So you're saying this Carnegie Hall is 1974. This is after the release of Piano Man. So he has two albums under his belt. And obviously, if you're going to see Billy Joel at Carnegie Hall, you get Billy Joel. So you figure, you know, especially in the 70s, you go into that show. You've heard this whole album because a lot of people couldn't even get Cold Spring Harbor. So this is how you're introducing Billy Joel. So you've heard the whole album. So they're probably cheering for every song. But it's kind of funny if Captain Jack is the hit at that time that that's not the encore unless he maybe finished with that song at the very end. No, actually, the last song he played was Ain't No Crime. Oh, that's another hidden gem that we love. That's kind of odd that he didn't end with Captain Jack. That be or maybe or, or Piano Man, uh, you know, for the encore, because you figure that's, you know, back in the day, that's what you would definitely do. You know what? What's funny about this song is I would have made this the last song on the album. Yeah, just like the one we did the other day. Um, this also feels like it could be the last song. That was um, I've the one we just did on from Turnstiles. I've loved these days. Yeah, so I've loved these days also feels like a final album song. And this one also has that kind of feeling. But this one, he still had two songs after it. Yeah. And I, you know, that was before he Captain Jack doesn't belong as the last song, especially now that we know his what he does and how much he worships the last song. Clearly, this album, he wasn't thinking that way. Uh, but Captain Jack is a, a horrible last song. I, I hate that as the last song of the album. It just doesn't add up for me. Yeah, but it's also a long song. A lot of artists, especially back then, would put their epic song at the end of an album. Like the Doors always did that. The last song would be like their 10 minute long song. And oh, so right? Captain Jack at seven minutes, that's where it goes right at the end. I guess that makes sense. For me, I always just thought the last song was always like a stinker that you put it like two minutes. But with what we know about Billy, that's why I'm saying surprising. But again, I guess he figured that out. Yeah, but then again, with Captain Jack, he might have said like, well, this is clearly my most famous song because at that time it was. So maybe he just felt like this is the last thing I want people to hear. My again, big it's very odd to put the most famous song as the last song. Usually the hit, I you know, like you said, with the length, I guess maybe they were thinking that way. But usually the hit is put first or second. It's very rare, I think, to have the hit as the final song. Yeah. I think you're right, but it's uh, it must be the length. It just has to be. Yeah. I want to talk about this Carnegie Hall 74 concert a little bit more because, uh, you know, you were saying people must have come to see Billy Joel so they would know all of his Piano Man songs. But actually, Billy Joel was the opener. This was not his. Oh, shut you know, up. He headlined Carnegie Hall a couple of years later. Oh. And that's, I think, the time when he actually met Phil Ramone. Phil was there to watch and they went to spaghetti dinner and the rest is history. But this time in 74, he was opening for a guy named Jesse Colin Young. Oh, he was good. You're just saying that? Yeah, or, I'm just saying it. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the weatherman from uh, Channel 9? <laughs> yeah, but not in New York. Channel 9 in Sheboygan. <laughs> um, no, so he was he was part of a group called the Young Bloods in the 60s. The Young which had, from MTV, that uh, TV show? No, the Young Bloods. Ah, uh-huh. About young gang members in Compton. Uh, no, the Young Bloods had a hit 
with a song called Get Together, which you would know is like played in every movie about hippies. It's the one that goes, come on, people now. Oh, God. Smile on your brother. I can want to punch people in the face when I hear that song. Yeah. So that was like his main hit with that group. And then he was solo and he was headlining Carnegie Hall. But here's what's interesting about all of this. Uh, you mentioned earlier that Michael Stewart was the producer of Piano Man. Right. And Michael Stewart in the 60s was in a vocal group called We Five, which was like a mama's and papa's kind of vocal group. And in 1965, they had a minor hit with the song Get Together a year before the Youngbloods made it a big hit. Michael Stewart, the producer's brother, was named John Stewart. He was a member of the Kingston Trio, and they were the first group to ever record the song Get Together in 1964. So everyone connected to Billy Joel in some weird way with this recorded the song Get Together. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother, everybody get together. Try to What you're saying is Billy Joel chose a producer of a guy that had one song that was recorded a couple of times. You know, it's just like my com comedy career. I had that one night in 1996 and it made my reputation and I've never been able to achieve it since. What was the night? What was the big night in 96? I, it's a long story. You know, it was at Caroline's Comedy Club. It was humble. Everybody knows about it. Like it was, anybody, know, you know how you always say, like, how do you know all these people? Because you're not that good at comedy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It, it all stemmed from this one unbelievable evening, you know, and it's on television. Uh, you know, someday they'll release it, I assume. I'm going to find it. Is it on YouTube? It was. I think it is not anymore. It was on the Caroline's Comedy Hour, and it was like, a, you know, quite unbelievable. Oh, man. OK. The, the comedy community took notice. That's where Dave Chappelle, even to this day, he's always talking about that one set, you know, <laughs> so his whole recent special was all talking about you in that set. Well, it, I'm telling you, this set was unbelievable. And it uh, it was, uh, you know, made my bones in the business. So I'm saying with this guy, uh, Michael Stewart, he makes one hit song and all of a sudden he's uh, gets. Uh, so that's all it takes. Yeah, you know both in the last long <laughs> As you said, he produced these two albums. And then in the 80s, he left music to write software. See? <laughs> exactly my point. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion. Do you have a stumper for me? Yes, I have an interesting one. Here we go. Three months before his death, this person, Billy Joel wrote a letter to the stupid Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on his maritime stationery, insisting that this person should be inducted, saying, in my opinion, no one has since come even close to him as one of the great, great primal rock and roll vocalists of all time. We actually were talking about him today. Who is it? Joe Cocker. Yes. Wow. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Since uh, we were playing the uh, Love Lifts Us Up uh, or whatever it's called. Yes. Joe Cocker singing on that. And then there is a connection ironically between Billy Joel and Joe Cocker and his love of Joe Cocker and Billy Joel sits there writes on his stationery this love letter to about Joe Cocker to the Hall of Fame and they don't even listen I hate the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame more than anything. so he's still not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame he's still not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that is shocking he is such a distinct voice that's why I didn't know he record I know that song I never thought about who's singing it but while you were playing it I was thinking that sounds like Joe Cocker exactly exactly 
uh, it's really messed up and I don't, you know, care either way. It's just, you know, how I feel about the rock and roll Hall of fame. It's not rock and roll. Just call it the music hall of fame and I'll be fine. Stop calling it the rock and roll hall of fame where you're going to induct Whitney Houston before Joe Cocker. All right. Thank you. Look, it's I, a shame. I, I have a thousand of podcasts with this. I can't go into this now. You're making me upset. Eli, look what you've done. You made me upset. I was having a good time. All right. Let's cool it. Let's cool it. Let's cool it. It's all good. Speaking of Joe Cocker, uh, Billy Joel in the 70s used to do a really cool Joe Cocker impersonation. Right. We've spoken about this before because John Belushi did one, too. So we thought maybe they did it together on Saturday Night Live when Billy Joel was the musical guest the first time on Saturday Night Live. But yeah, dueling Cockers. Exactly. You said Cocker. Cockfight. Uh, All right, Alon, do you have a trivia question for me? And I swear to God, if it's about that take five or get together group, I'm going to be very upset. Don't worry. Here's my question. The producer of Piano Man was Michael Stewart. (laughs) Michael's brother, John Stewart, was a member of the Kingston Trio, as we mentioned before. But John Stewart's most famous composition was a song that became a huge hit for a band that was created for a TV show. So a TV band had a big hit with a song by John Stewart. What was the band? What was the song? The Monkees. The Monkees is the band. Daydream Believer. That's correct. Oh, you nailed it. Wow, that's good. Uh, I thought. Who? What's the one that Neil Diamond wrote? That's what I thought it West was. Train to Clarksville. No, no, it definitely wasn't that one. I know there's a he wrote. Oh, um, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. So look at these these monkeys. That's why they were so popular that these uh, guys writing really great stuff for them. Yeah. Daydream Believer is fantastic. That's a great song. I was reading about it today and there's a horn before you get into the chorus. There's like a horn part. And apparently it's exactly the same as Help Me Rhonda by the Beach Boys. Oh, well, the monkeys were kick ass. And as you may or may not know, and again, it's really just COVID sad shit. But one of my best pals, Adam Schlesinger, who, again, would have been on this show multiple times talking about not just Billy Joe, but he would have been on the live show. I mean, this guy was up for anything. He was the coolest guy, one of the most talented guys. And he produced the last two monkeys albums. And they're so good and i'm talking about three years ago tops four years ago there was one and i don't remember the name of the album maybe it came out 2016 it's it's fantastic and then they it went it did so well he produced a christmas one after that and he wrote one of the songs for them wrote one of the songs uh the guys from uh uh andrew part andrew partridge 
uh, XTC wrote one of the, you know, all these guys wanted mm. to come in and say, you're doing a monkey's album. Yeah, I'm in. And it turns out, and Michael Dolan's voice still amazing. So yeah, Adam Schlesinger, he was, he is sorely missed for this podcast. I'll tell you that. Indeed. All right, Dave, it's time for the weird Alan parody. And instead of if I only had the words to tell you, my song is if I always made you watch Titanic. Jesus Christ. I don't know. <laughs> where did this come from? All right. Were you watching Titanic last night? Is that where this? <laughs> no, but imagine if I always made you watch Titanic. What a world. If I always made you watch Titanic, if I was a huge fan of Billy Zane, then I hope you would sit through it politely, even if you really thought I was insane. If I always made you watch Titanic and recited every line by Rose and Jack, would you understand that I'm just quirky or would you leave and never, ever come back? That was awful. And uh, I'm just going to tell you, I was, <laughs> that was the worst parody you've ever done. Uh, yep, I went there. But you must hate this song because you must hate that modulation. Uh, <laughs> that you had to keep going to that key we were talking about before. I probably didn't hit it either time, but no, um, you did. You did. It's still amazing that you're able to do that. I'm sorry. I didn't care for the song. I right? like to, I like that actually, because I'm such a bad singer. Like I, I might have, I'd be able, I'm able to sing like in this key or in this key, but not in any of the keys in between. So like modulating really quickly to a different key. I can do, I can never like gradually do anything, but well, you um, keep hitting the proper notes. So it doesn't sound awful. It's just, I, I just, I, I love Titanic. I know everything about it. I, I needed more references from the stuff. Like I just wanted like, to talk about Billy Zane for a second. Yeah. Well, that's what I wanted more Billy Zane. We're like, I thought you would have come to me last night. <laughs> or, or yeah, there like, wasn't enough time to, to write so many, if this song wasn't so repetitive, I could have. How about this? Some more. How about this? Where he goes, um, I know you've been melancholy. I don't pretend to know why. <laughs> he has so many good lines. He's so good. Well, I love Billy Zane. Uh, what's it? Well, Dawson, you could almost pass for a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rose is displeased. I don't know. There's so many. I, I, I'm, I'm really upset by uh, what you chose to put in. I'm sorry, Alon. It's not one of my favorites. Usually uh, the audience uh, disagrees with everything I say, so... They seem to love the parody, so uh, that's my opinion. Well, I might be with you on this one. <laughs> I thought you were going to do if I only had a brain. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. It needs more if syllables. If I only though. had a brain to get if, you home. If I only had a brain in my head. And then yeah. it could have been, I only had a heart as the next verse. Right. Well, now you tell me. Sorry. I just assumed it was obvious. <laughs> Give me 10 minutes. I'll get it done. Well, folks, that was If I Only Had the Words to Tell You. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. 
Do you like the officer and a gentleman comparison? Are you upset that Depeche Mode is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and not Joe Cocker? And do you agree with Dave that this is a hidden gem? Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. She wanted to see the propellers. <laughs> like I said, women and machinery do not mix. If I only had the words to tell you.